when you participate and you're engaged in the conversation of what's happening within our profession, you start to see things differently. You hear things differently. And you can translate that into change within your organization. If you're hunkered into the walls of your firm, I don't know how you can become future ready. Welcome back, gang. My name is Bill. This is Future Proof. We are the number one podcast currently being produced in my home, to my knowledge. <laughs> hey, we'll take the accolades on where we can get them, folks. Um, quick note here. This week's show is sponsored by the Business Learning Institute, which delivers competency-based curriculum courses, content, and community to maximize career trajectories and grow intellectual capital for organizational and executive leadership. Lots of words there simply means we're going to make you way smarter and way more prepared for what's coming. Hundreds of courses by dozens of instructors, unlimited customization. You know what that means? Uh, No limits. (laughs) You can just customize the heck out of this. Find out how the Business Learning Institute can help you by visiting... BLIonline.org. Let's talk about public practice today, shall we? Uh, CPA firms. What the heck is going on with CPA firms these days? Uh, Well, quite a bit, actually, as it turns out. The world, uh, it's changing and and getting more and more complex every moment. Uh, You knew this, right? I, I hope so. We've only been talking about that for... Oh, the past year and a half or so now, um, on this show anyway. And with every change that the world experiences these days, the folks who work at CPA firms, they they seem to get a double dose of it, right? I, I mean, they have to figure out how to embrace these changes and disruptions inside their own firms, but they also have to help their clients figure out what to do about all this complexity at the same time. So this is tough stuff on the CPA firm front. None other than Barry Melanson himself, president and CEO of the American Institute of CPAs. He says, we may not recognize the vast majority of firms within the next five to 10 years. So it's not exactly smooth sailing these days. Uh, And what exactly are the issues that firms are dealing with? You know, what's keeping these folks up at night? Well, uh, we've got some pretty good ideas. Tom Hood, he's the president and CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs. He surveyed the partners of more than 20 major firms recently about the programs that they value most from their professional association. And that gives us a pretty good idea of what kind of issues they're dealing with. Their answers look like this. So number one, uh, emerging technologies like artificial intelligence, robot process, robotic process automation, rather, uh, machine learning, those types of things. Number two, legislative and regulatory advocacy. They love that stuff. Number three, talent recruitment and retention. Number four, emerging leader development. And then number five, uh, the, the, the time-tested learning in CPE, right? That's always there. Number six, diversity and inclusion initiatives. Uh, Number seven, anticipation. In other words, using strategic foresight to stay ahead of trends. And finally, number eight, helping them become future ready through things like upskilling and reskilling and and things like that. And by my count, out of those top eight, six, six of them are related directly to change, complexity, hard trends that are impacting the profession, right? In other words, gearing them up for what's to come. 
That's a major shift. If you had asked them that question five years ago, CPE probably would have been number one, followed, I don't know, maybe by regulatory changes, staffing perhaps. Uh, This future-focused stuff wasn't even on their radar not too long ago. Um, And and that survey, by the way, uh, was taken during one of Hood's regular meetings with the managing partners of Maryland firms. He started holding those meetings uh, in that turbulent period after Enron and WorldCom uh, in the early 2000s, right around when Sarbanes-Oxley was introduced and subsequently passed. You know, one could argue that that was really the beginning of this you know, new normal of change and complexity that our profession has been dealing with. New technologies and social media made their entrance not long after that. Then you had the recession of 2008, the advent of the cloud and AI, (laughs) the wild west of the political landscape. It's all happened within the past 20 years. And and these changes aren't going away either. Uh, and, And research by the AICPA bears this out. Each year, the AICPA's private companies practice section That's the group that supports CPA firms in the everyday intricacies of running a practice. They publish the results of a survey each year that tries to assess the top issues that are impacting firms of various sizes. So among firms of all sizes, recruitment and retention of top talent is probably the top issue, but not too far behind are things like keeping up with changing and complex laws and regulations, seasonality and workload compression, privacy and security risks, Things get really interesting when you start looking a little further down the road. So Casey Johnson, she's a strategic advisor with CPA.com, which is the uh, technology arm of the AICPA. Uh, And also Casey was an earlier guest on our podcast, as a matter of fact, back in episode 55, if you want to check that out. Casey said recently that the list of issues that firms say will impact them over the next five years include things like changing client needs, and emerging technologies. And those things didn't even appear on that list even two years ago. But that's, you know, indicative of the kind of world we're living in today, isn't it? And nobody knows that, folks, better than my guest this week. She is Lexi Kessler. Lexi's day job is partner with Aronson LLC. She's also a member of the Maryland Association of CPAs Board of Directors. More to the point for this conversation, though, Lexi is the current chair of the aforementioned AICPA private company's practice section. And she has her fingers on the pulse of CPA firm challenges and opportunities, I think, more than most people in the profession, at least most people I know. So we we sat down recently to talk about some of this stuff, the things that are keeping firm leaders up at night, examples, you know, of firms that are starting to get it when it comes to transformation. And also some ideas of what the firm of the future looks like, uh, given everything that's going on today. So good stuff here from a public practice perspective and from the perspective of, you know, just trying to figure out what's coming next for this profession. Uh, Settle in, folks, for a great conversation with Lexi Kessler. So, Lexi, uh, tell me a little bit about the PCPS. It's one of those groups that you hear a lot about, but you know, a lot of people may not know exactly what they do. What do they do? So, PCPS stands for Private Company Practice Section, and it's um, a committee of individuals from across the United States with firms of different sizes, um, from sole practitioner up to a national firm. And there's about 13 of us, and we work with the AICPA staff in identifying areas of need for practitioners and firms 
And what resources can we provide to them to assist? So for example, one that I was involved in um, a few years ago when we had, you know, the, the profession was having some concerns with, or DOL, I guess I should say, was having concerns with our profession on audit quality. Mm-hmm. So we worked internally and formed a, a subcommittee that worked with AICPA and developed um, quality toolkits and client acceptance checklists, things to help somebody that a firm that doesn't have many resources be yeah. able to do quality work or at least um, identify what they should or should not be working on from quality and reputation of the of the uh, the profession. Yeah, so great resource there. What's what's been um, like the most pleasant surprise you've had? In, in working with the PCPS or um, uh, what, what has stood out for you? Uh, just what a phenomenal profession we work in, <laughs> quite <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. And just some individuals from across the country that are willing to share and collaborate for the betterment of our profession. And that is just so refreshing. And to get outside of the walls of your firm and to be able to interact with individuals in the profession to identify trends and how are they handling it, what are, how are they dealing with it, um, it's just incredible information to be able to bring back to our organization as well. Yeah, that's that's it, it's reassuring to know that th- those types of people are out there. Um, yes. What uh, what are you hearing from firm leaders these days? What's on their mind? What what what's sticking out for you as as you talk with partners around the country? Well, a lot of what's sticking out is uh, certainly work compression um, with just the seasonality of the work or lack of seasonality, I should say. Um, finding qualified staff, retaining staff. Um, it's interesting, succession planning used to be a concern and that has kind of faded away because I think that sure. now as baby boomers are retiring, um, they're figuring out how to do it. Okay. Um, but finding the qualified staff, retaining them, managing the work-life you know, initiatives that they have. And then also what you hear is, beginning to hear a little bit more is making sure that they're managing the, any privacy issues you know, or um, really having good controls over our own internal IT processes, you may say, or, um, you know, for just from a cybersecurity perspective, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. protecting client data, which is just a huge piece of it. So just managing the privacy and the security risks that come with that. But workload compression, I think, is one that definitely, it's a big pain point. And in this past year, I think it was also you've got a couple of things going on. You've got revenue recognition kicking in, right? For mm-hmm. for everybody. And then you had tax law changes. So it's been a big year of change and that creates its own amount of stress on an organization as well. How are you finding... I don't know. I guess I'm looking for like... Do you have any success stories? The most... Like the, the firms that are that are dealing with that type of issue, that workload compression issue well. What are they what are they doing that the rest of us aren't? Well, they're trying to use technology mm-hmm. to make it more efficient and more effective. Um, even the smaller companies are really it's amazing to me, you know, somebody will have a 10 person firm and they will be talking about this this bot or this AI product that they're using or, or how they're using technology to work with their clients and that's how they're managing that. And also allowing their employees the flexibility of how and where they work and when they work mm-hmm. um, to help mitigate just some of the stress piece of it as well. Yeah, that, it, it's, it's really interesting that, you know, uh, so, so many people that, that I talk to anyway, when, when you bring up this notion of advances in technology and automation and AI and things like that, they automatic, their mind automatic, automatically goes to this 
idea of technology as a job stealer and um, what you're saying, or at least what I think you're saying, is that there's a there's a, a a lot of opportunity to use technology to increase efficiencies and make your life easier at the same time. No question, no question. I mean, there's um, again, it's 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 how you interface and interact with the client. Is it, and and that can make things easier. You know, whether it be. Um, machine reading technologies or, you know, and the, the other extreme is a, like an, a Watson, you know, where you feed it the information and you teach it and to be able to use that as a tool, which some of the, there are a few accounting firms that are beginning to do that now, but they're bigger firms, you know, that's not practical for a smaller firm, but, but just the interaction of it, what, you know, companies that do outsource accounting and how they interact electronically with the client and getting the data into the system. And, and it's amazing to me how much is out there. Yeah, yeah, it's it really is incredible with the resources we have. So, so the PCPS comes out with a, a a CPA firm top issues survey. Yes, each year the 2019 survey came out. I think over the summer, um, and and you mentioned some of those the challenges that they're facing, um, and it seems to be really consistently across the board. One of the biggest ones they're they're looking at is this this idea of talent, where where to find it, how to keep it. Right. Um, uh, what are you hearing from firms on the talent front these days? So on the talent front, it is, um, it's also a mixture of what type of talent you may need. So if you're using technology, you need somebody that understands what to do with the data when it comes back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from um, the flexible workspace now, like there's one of the initiatives that PCPS is working on, there's two areas. One has to do with a, a business model concept and a virtual workforce and best practices and, and how can we help with that. That virtual workforce piece is just the ease, I think, of how how an employee works and the environment of which they work in and what are some of the things that they do. So we have some companies that they will um, half day Fridays during the summer or they will work, 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 work and take off two or three months. There's a small firm up in the Northeast that does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they try to balance that, but it's also that I think that there's a connectivity issue that needs to happen if it's a, if it's a younger workforce, because they need to feel a little bit more of a cause of making a difference. So for them, it's how do you pitch the work for them to stay? Do you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's how do you like, okay, yeah, sure. You just did a financial statement. Well, yeah, you did a financial statement though, but they needed it for the credit thing to keep the company going. And by the way, that company's their biggest asset. Mm-hmm. And they're able to go do the work that they're passionate about to make a difference in the community or whatever it is that they do. So it's it's looking at what we do a little bit differently to create a story for the people that they will then become more passionate and connected to it. Yeah. So out of that survey, Lexi, did you see any sense of what firm leaders are seeing as the trends that may have you know the biggest impact? on them over over the short term, like the next five years or so? Yes. Um, the, the, the theme continues on staffing. Um, so that continues. That, that, that seems to be something that they're very concerned about for the next five years as being impactful. Again, finding and retaining qualified staff. Um, emerging technologies, it's not just adapt. It's identifying and adapting them and adapting them at a pace where it doesn't become obsolete by the time you adapt it. You know, being able to um, rotate or adapt to technologies uh, more quickly and identification of it really. 
clients' needs changing, what are their needs going to be and how do we adapt to that? More competition because the firms that are future ready will start to rise. So if you're not future ready, you're not going to be able to rise with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all, and then last but not least is mergers and consolidations. And it'll be interesting to see that, you know, there's been a frenzy for many years of that occurring. And what does that mean in five years from now? Who's going to be able to service? If it's a large firm, is what type profile client is going to be right for that larger firm? And is and what do we have areas that will be underserved, you know, from a community perspective? Sure. Yeah, that has implications all across the board. Now, you mentioned succession planning earlier. It seems that um, you know, so, so some firms may look at at uh, at M and A as their succession plan. You know, oh, there's a lot, absolutely, no question, because there were no plans, nothing that was done, and that's why they have to do it. Mm-hmm. The lack of succession. It's interesting. You mentioned uh, clients' needs are changing, and I and I think kind of related to that. At the same point, is is their expectations uh, are changing uh, almost as as quickly, if not if not faster. Um, just you know, thanks to like advances in technology, they just expect things to be done differently now. And um, um, you know, our firms prepared to to kind of meet those changing expectations. I think they're going to have to, Bill, because if they don't, they'll become obsolete. And the reason I say that is the business owner is getting is of the generation that wants the technology as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have, and I'm going to be archaic in this example because I just, um, but if you said, why don't you mail me your tax forms as opposed to here's my client portal, just upload it. Right. Right. You know, like the ease of how a client can work with you is critical. Yep. Yep. It has to make, it can't, it can't be cumbersome and imposing on them anymore. No, no. They, yeah. People just don't, they, they want that kind of frictionless interaction. Um, right. Uh, and they've come to expect it. So that's right. That's right. So. We all have. We all have. I mean, you know. Well, I mean, it's consumers, right? We're yeah. shoppers, right? That's what we want, also. Yeah, that's you know, it's really kind of incredible how these things kind of tie together. You're the second successive person that I've interviewed for this podcast that, that talks about that notion of of finding, you know, your why, the passion in your work. The yeah. first um, a couple of days ago, I interviewed his name is Alan uh, Jagalinzer. He's He's kind of the head of um, the accounting department, accounting and finance department at Cambridge, and and he says that there's a direct tie between you know this notion of trying to recruit and retain talent, and your notion also of of just the increasing amount of work that we're asking these people to do, and and he's he's seen actual evidence of you know mental. Problems, health problems, uh, coming out of young professionals who are going into these these firm environments and just being worked to death, and and that is playing a role in sure. whether or not they want to come back. So there's a there's a direct tie in between this whole notion of of so much work that has to be done, and and whether or not we can actually <laughs> hope to ask people to come back into an environment like that. And so I don't know what the answer is to that, but there's a, there's a, there's a whole lot of layers to, to be peeled back on, on, on that particular issue. Yeah. And I think also that there can be some ways that you can, the type of work that you have or the type of client. So um, 
there's a saying, I don't, I don't remember the exact percentages, but if you have the, the bottom 10% of your client base, you spend 40% of your time on or some unbelievable amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. Where the clients are difficult, they, they fight over the fees, they don't pay or they pay, it takes them a long time to pay you. They don't treat your staff well, whatever it may be. And so one of the things that, that, that I know I'm, I'm even starting to do is that when we have a difficult situation like that, I will tell them and say, you know, maybe we're just not right, the right fit for you. Right, right. And the the staff are just they're like I said first I we had one that was it was we decided not to proceed into the next year because our staff were saying that, that they were just really difficult to work. They were probably the most difficult client to work with. Mm-hmm. They were belligerent, they were treating them poorly, and I'm like, that's not professional, we're not doing it. It's not professional. So that just freed them up to have more time on another client that that does see what we can provide and that they will enjoy more. Right. 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 And then they feel like you're supporting them, which you are trying to do too. But, um, so there are some ways that you can do it and be able to grow revenue in, a, in the type of revenue that you want. Right. Right. You know? and, and, and yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think it comes back to Alan Jaglinger's point was that, you know, we haven't, a lot of firms haven't done a, a, as good of a job as they can of selling. New hires on the why of this profession, the why of what they do, why it's important. What's the what's the purpose here? Right. And so many young professionals want that type of you know they they want to be connected with a purpose that's that's higher than just you know making money. It has to mean something, and and we haven't done the best job that we can on selling people on our why. <laughs> As a profession, I completely agree with that. Yep, that's yep. absolutely right. So, so when I go on campuses, I do change the story of, of, you know, when I've spoken to general business classes about the accounting profession, you know, what I'll say is, why do I do what I do? It's because I can make a difference in the lives of my clients. Mm-hmm. And here's mm-hmm. how. Yep. Yep. And that's what accounting is. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. You know, it, I mean, when you think about it, every, every business out there, no matter what they do, has a finance function to it. And... You know, you you can you can find a a a, a firm or an organization that you want to be connected with that serves your purpose that, that helps you pursue your passion and still serve this profession in a really meaningful way. That's right. That's right. It's it's, it's, it's an interesting point that I hadn't seen made very often lately. So um, now you had a couple of opportunities recently to be among leaders of major firms throughout the country. First to the AICPA's major firms group meeting, mm-hmm. um, and then a, a similar gathering of Maryland firms. How would you describe the mindset of firm leaders um, that you've been talking to recently when it comes to the future of our profession? Um, when it comes to the future of the profession, I think that everybody gets that we're in a period of disruption now, or at least you, you sense that. You know, we get the, that there's disruption. We get that we need to adapt technology. But technology is a tool; it's not the answer. But you're getting a little bit of like, okay, but how? <laughs> right. And how do I do this? A little bit of deer in the headlights of how do I, how do I, ex- how do I get ahead of the curve? Mm-hmm. And um, the best way to do that really is getting out and being a part of the profession and participating, whether it be AICPA, state societies, MACPA obviously is one of my favorites, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the top, the top ones in the country. <laughs> and um, you know, being able to interact with people actually gives you those ideas. Um, because like I said before, the profession is willing to share. 
um, yeah. and major firms they do share, and it is very helpful to have that. But you know, it's it's accountants don't like most people don't like change, but accountants particularly don't like change. Yeah, and if you don't change. Somebody had a line on the panel that I moderated. It was like, if you don't like change, then you will hate extinction. <laughs> right? So yeah. you have to do that. And I believe it feels like um, there's acceptance of that now. Whereas three years ago, like the topics that would have been a major firm's three, if we had done the topics today that we did and it had today that we had done them three years ago, it would not have been received or heard in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I, I, the the folks that I've been speaking to are much more receptive to to that type of message lately than they were in the, in the past. Uh, and I think there's there's a kind of a, a level of uh, urgency now <laughs> that this mm-hmm. stuff is this stuff is real. It's not going away. So we we better do something about it. Right. Right. Any any success stories that you're seeing about firms that that are are kind of taking those types of steps and, and getting themselves on the right track to be becoming a little bit more future ready? Sure. I, um, there's certainly a, there's these innovation, you know, that's the B word, right? Innovation, how you use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big way to do this is to get participation within the organization across the board, because that gives you buy-in as well. And if you can pull that together align everybody, have clarity on the direction that you want to go into, capturing the heart of soul, why it's important, right? Because that pulls in the millennials, include the people, how can they participate? And don't listen to the vocal minority mm-hmm. and move right. forward. Right. Like those were kind of some of the key things, the takeaways um, of companies that have been able to create some transformation within the organizations. It seems like there's an element of of just alignment almost i don't know how how to express it any other way but but helping everyone in your organization see what you see and accept that it's real and and just getting everybody on the same page and if that can be done that makes it easier to kind of build a, a future focused strategy that everybody is going to get behind no question I mean, we had we had three individuals from, um, on a panel from three different types of organizations, meaning size organizations. Forget the dollars that they can each spend. Conceptually, it was clarity, alignment, strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, having all of those pieces in place were critical for it to work. Yeah, and whatever initiative they did, and that's how they've been having success. That's yeah, that's that's great advice. I don't know if you can speak to this, Lexi, but just in, in general, how. Just from based on what you've seen, how future ready would you say CPA firms are at this moment? And I guess I'm speaking just in very broad general terms, but but what do you, what do you see when you f- look at firms and, and think about where they're going? Um, I think that there are some firms out there that are at the forefront of what they're doing, and it's all sizes. It, it doesn't mean you know I'm not saying that it has to be like a big four. That's a, that's future ready. But the openness and the change in the changing the conversation and how you work with a client, figuring out how to change the processes that need to figure out where where you need to be and then creating the change to go to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are an awful lot that haven't though. Um, but like I said, I think a lot more are recognizing that they need to. And then it's just how do I go? You know, like what now? Um, but you know, it, it's a it's like a culture shift in our profession that needs to occur. And 
I see it starting, but it still has ways to go, I think. Right, right. And a lot of it's because firms, like I go back to this, the participation in our profession. Um, when you participate and you're engaged in the conversation of what's happening within our profession, you start to see things differently. You hear things differently. And you can translate that into change within your organization. If you're hunkered into the walls of your firm, I don't know how you can become future ready. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, who is it? Um, uh, Rita McGrath, she just wrote a, a, a new book called um, Seeing Around Corners that I, I was just reading. <laughs> she, she makes this um, observation that snow melts at the edges, right? So mm -hmm. that in order to understand what's happening in order to see the trends early enough, you have to be kind of at the edges where you're, you know, not siloed in, in your, your corner office, but out right. where you're interacting with clients, with customers and, and noticing what, how these changes are impacting them. That kind of helps you uh, better detect those kind of, you know, weak signals of disruptive change, I guess, if you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've got such a growing base, you know, as far as the services that are, or, I'm sorry, types of companies that are out there um, with industries, so many are professional services driven, you know, at the core of what an organization does. Mm -hmm. And accounting firms are professional services. Right. The customers are just different. Maybe what you're selling is different, but it's professional services still. Absolutely. And there's a whole lot of sharing of information and dialogue that can, that helps to create that, like you said, that interaction. You can get it from multiple places, including your own clients. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, so I'm interested in what you think about this. Barry, Barry Melanson at the AACPA kind of famously has said over the past couple of years that he thinks we won't recognize the vast majority of CPA firms in five or, or 10 years down the road. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious, in your mind, what does... A typical CPA firm look like five or ten years from now. Oh, I think even how you do an audit, it's going to be. And when I think about just you know, over my career, it was all when you started. When I started, it was eighteen column spreadsheets, right? And it was the ten key <laughs> machine with the tape roller tape on it, right? Right. And now it's all computer driven, and and it's going to be so much less of doing and so much more analysis mm -hmm. because technology is going to replace the doing. Yep. And the challenge is training our people to go to the analysis piece without doing the doing because the technology is doing it. And that's that that yeah. requires a, a a whole new set of skills too. Um, yes. We're talking about things like you know communication and storytelling and strategic thinking and and problem solving and stuff like that, which, yeah. which we may not have traditionally been trained to do. Yeah, and it's the agility of being okay to change. Right. You know, it, it's um, if you're becoming comfortable, chances are you're getting passed by. <laughs> now. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's just it's it's a very fast paced environment, and and that's the other thing, honestly, is is how the human body just keeps up with that. You know, it, you know, even five, ten years from now, whatever that may be, but but I do think that that's how it's going to change. It's become a commodity, so technology has to do. You know, the pricing that we can get for so technology has to replace what people were doing and some of it. But what people need to do with the results is where you need more people to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, then you need more volume because technology is helping with that. 
you optimistic that we can get there? Well, I think we're going to have to. And I think that the markets are going to need it. You know, the financial reporting, I mean, I don't know, I I can't imagine, I shouldn't say that, but there today there's still a need, I think in five years from now, there's still going to be a need for financial reporting, right? So Mm -hmm. the market will will still need that. So there'll still be an offering. It's just how are we, the ones that get there faster will make it longer and the ones that don't will be merging. Right, right. It's going to be interesting to see where all this goes. I mean, uh, (laughs) yes, it will be. Um, it will be, and, and then you know, then I'll be retired, so it'll be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we'll have to we'll have to schedule another one of these interviews before before you uh, head on out the door, so we can. Oh, I've got I've got a while. Don't worry. <laughs> take a look back and 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 see how far we've come. But um, sure. Lexi, thank you, thank you for taking the time um, and for your insights. This has been a great conversation and and one that I think that we need to continue to have. So so thanks for helping us do that. It was my pleasure, Bill. Thank you. All right. Interesting stuff there from somebody who definitely should know. That was Lexi Kessler, a partner with Aronson. She's also a, a board member with the uh, MACPA and most relevantly, the current chair of the private company's practice section of the American Institute of CPAs. Find out more, by the way, at AICPA.org slash PCPS. Uh, and hey, you know, before I forget, we've been doing this podcast now for more than a year and a half now. And, and so far, you know, I've been making all the decisions about who I'll be talking to on a week by week basis, which, you know, frankly, is a little selfish of me. Um, I can be kind of a control freak that way. So I want to know, what do you think we should be talking about? Who do you think we should be talking to? If you got some ideas about topics or guests for upcoming shows, uh, you know, let me know by dropping me a line at bill at blionline.org, you know, or just, uh, just say hi. I'd love to hear from you anyway. Um, so, you know, let me know, drop me a line, say hello, and, uh, let's keep the conversation going, shall we? And don't forget this week's sponsor is the business learning Institute. The BLI's future ready learning framework outlines the skills that CPAs need to thrive in the rapidly changing world of accounting and finance. That framework is all about gaining and maintaining deep technical knowledge. We'll always need that stuff, along with a new strategic skill set. And we're talking about strategic aptitudes that have been identified as most crucial for tomorrow's future-ready CPAs. Start mastering these future-ready skills now by visiting macpa.org slash future-learning. And that is all I've got for you, gang. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.